Good evening. Welcome to One Step Beyond with me, Theo Chalmers. If you have any questions for our guests, text them to 86686 with the word beyond, a space, then your message, and we'll try to pick up on the good ones. They're all charged at standard rate. Tonight's show is a first for One Step Beyond. It's two hours long. My guest is author of the truly astonishing new book on 9-11, Where Did the Towers Go? Her websites are wheredidthetowersgo.com and drjudywood.com. There's a clue. She is the only person to ever file a legal challenge to the official version of 9-11, well, particularly with regard to the buildings, and where the judge asked her if she has a death wish. She is a former professor of mechanical engineering, and whatever, and whatever you think happened that day, she will challenge many beliefs. Taking one step beyond tonight is Dr. Judy Wood. Judy, welcome. Hello, thank you. You're very welcome. It's great to have you uh, live on the show, all the way from yeah. South Carolina. Yes, I'm here. Yeah, 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 you're <laughs> right. Amazing. You're here in the studio. That's fantastic. Now, you, this, let me show the camera your book. This is, um, this is where, where Did the Tower Go? Um, it's an amazing book. I mean, it, it's so full of photographs and research and evidence. And it is literally breathtaking. I mean, it really is something special and obviously a labor of love. And I know you've worked on this for many years. Um, you also seem particularly well suited to have written this book because of your academic qualifications. Do you want to just give us a quick picture of those? Um, my bachelor's degree was in civil engineering, structural engineering specifically. Engineering mechanics was my master's degree which is essentially applied physics. And my PhD is in materials engineering science, an interdisciplinary degree, bring in material properties as well as engineering mechanics. So basically, uh, you understand what should happen to that building, or those two buildings in particular, and building seven, but what should have happened if they were hit by planes? Or collapse due to fires or whatnot. But in addition to that, my area of expertise is in image analysis and optical methods. So you, you've got the whole spectrum, haven't you? If they were going to find somebody to do this job, to write yeah. this book, it would be you. I suppose so. It's a very unique combination of things. And you've kind of taken this upon yourself, haven't you? I mean, at the risk of your career and many other things. Because what happened that day was so unbelievable to the average person. I could see it clearly, not necessarily every detail on day one, but that something extraordinary happened that needed to be studied. You, and, and I mean, one of your main sort of theses, if you like, is, is the title of your book, Where Did the Towers Go? Because you say that... They, they went just, away. They just kind of, they blew away, didn't they? they Gone with the wind. They disappeared. Absolutely. Well, I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to, I think the first thing we should look at is one of the films from the day. If we can have that first film, please. This is, this is a slow-mo film of the North Tower. So can you describe what's happening here? This is slow motion of the building coming apart. I do not say collapse because it surely isn't collapsing. If you'll notice... As the building comes apart, you'll see pieces of steel and building parts falling down. But as they fall down, they're trailing dust. 
and they sort of they seem to disappear. And this, I don't know, I've seen this film a few times preparing for this show. And there's a, a section in the middle, right in the middle of the screen, where there's a white line going up. Falling onto that now is a piece, right? Which then seems to disappear. It's a long-shaped uh, piece of material and it falls down straight in front of that corner of the building and as it does it just it, it, it disappears it dissolves into dust uh, which is quite extraordinary and it, it looks like as much stuff is going up as is going down or even sort of squirts up and arcs over before it comes down but if you go to that intersection right below that after the building goes away there's some people that come out of their hiding places and they're they're stopped you, they look like they'd have their jaw hanging open. Just unbelievable. There's no, you know, seal on the ground in front of them. There's just dust and paper. And that's one of the, the, the sort of things of the day, isn't it, is the huge amount of paper and powdered concrete or powdered whatever it was. Powdered building. Powdered building. And everything in it. That was covering Manhattan. Right. So... So okay, I, I think we should we should look at we're going to hit the ground running. I think today because we we have got two hours, we've got a lot of stuff to cover, haven't we? So I think we need to go to um, picture one one zero six if we can see that one. Right, this is this is the arcade underneath. Will you tell us what that is? This is actually the uh, loading zone where they made the deliveries, the ramp, under buildings four and five. And the foreground is purple. That means it's under building four, five. And the green part is under building four. And if you look down at the end of that hallway, you see a green wall where you have to make a right turn to pull out of the, the parking garage. This picture was taken after 9-11. You might, might, maybe it's a little bit more dusty on the ground, but it's still intact, the lights are still on. And the interesting part of the end of that hall is that it's underneath where Building 4 used to be, but there's no building there. I love it. There's no building. Well, let's look at, let's look at 102. This is, this is the site of uh, World Trade Center 1 North and South Walls. So this is after a 110-story building. Went away. Okay, I know you, you don't like to say collapse. Went away. You went away, okay. And... You know, I've read some statistics that there should be, you know, if you if you collapse a building, there should be at least 12% of the original height on the ground, and 110 stories would make, what, 15 stories of rubble. It doesn't look to me like there's 15 stories of rubble there. Uh, you see an ambulance parked there at ground level, so you know where ground level is. Yeah, there's, there's the ambulance, right, absolutely. So... Also, this was a steel frame structure. And in the foreground of this picture, do you see any steel? No, you don't. Do you see a few <laughs> pieces of aluminum again. cladding? <laughs> it is quite extraordinary, isn't it? Okay, let's go to 103. This is, uh, 103 is a map. So a satellite image? Satellite image. This is after 9-11, on the very shortly after 9-11. Do you know how long? I think it was the, either the 23rd or the 27th. Okay of September 2001. Okay, so no chance really to have cleared it all up. No. So, uh, and, and, what, and what you can see there is, um, well, the towers are completely gone. Uh, WCT, WTC6 on the top right-hand corner. Has that big void in it where about 50% of the building's mass is just gone. But the rest of it is still there. 
And, and some of the other buildings are gone, of course. WTC7 uh, has gone as well. And the bottom left-hand corner, that building was building four. And just the north wing, which north is to the right, just the north wing remains. And the rest was gone, basically down to the ground level. Gone. You just sweep it up. So how can half a building disappear and the other half still be standing? It looked like it was sliced off with an exacto knife. We don't know what exacto knives are. Ah. Okay, I'm afraid, Judy. <laughs> razor blade, razor blade. A razor blade, okay. And, and of course, with this hole in, in the World Trade Center 6, it's a kind of similar thing, isn't it? It's, it's been sort of gouged out with something. Or it's, so. it's a void, empty. You, you know, some people say, well, stuff must have fallen in it. Well, if debris fell in it and collapsed it down, you look in the bottom of the hole, you should see something. Okay, let's, we're, we're going to whiz through some more pictures, I think. Let's look at number 104, 104. Right, this is... Um, it's an elevation map of what was left. And I've drawn in a, sort of a ghost outline of what should have been there, what had been there, two, build, two tall buildings, a 22-story building, and the other buildings, which are eight and nine stories tall. I don't see, w, I don't see World Trade Center 7 on this. It's, it's off to the right. So it's just out of frame. Yeah. That was a 47-story building, wasn't right, it? Right, right. Which in most U.S. states would have been the tallest building. Or most cities, and as well as the 22-story building 3. Yeah. That one went away, and very few people talk about that. 22 stories, yeah, that's significant. I mean, if that yeah. was in London, for instance, that would be perhaps our third or fourth tallest building. But it's gone. <laughs> it's gone. And there's a quote there, isn't there, from uh, a firefighter. I'll, I'll, I'll read this out. I looked and said, guys, there used to be 106 floors above us, and now I'm seeing sunshine. There's nothing above us. That big building doesn't exist. These are the biggest office buildings in the world, and I didn't see one desk or one chair or one phone. Nothing. They were in the bottom of Tower 1. They were in Tower 1. They were in Tower 1, between the third and fourth floor and stairwell B. Yeah. And they assumed when the building, they thought, collapsed, they assumed they were buried under such debris that they'd be dead by the time anyone found them. Well, I mean, just look at the uh, earthquake that's happened in Turkey uh, yesterday and today that they're talking about today. And they're, and there are piles of rubble where the buildings have collapsed. I mean, layer upon layer, floor layer upon floor layer of rubble, which they're struggling to get people out of. They, they haven't disappeared, have they, those buildings? In, in my book, I put uh, a picture of a, a pancaked building from an earthquake in Pakistan. And there, right after it happened, another striking difference is the clear air, not filled with dust. And, and, yeah, it was very dusty, wasn't it? Okay, let's, let's have a look at number 105, please. Right, now where is this? That's under the first layer, right underneath building four. This is under building four again. And you can look and see what stores. This is the mall. You can see there's innovation luggage on the left. Next one down is Hallmark Cards. At the end, it's a little bit punched in. And that's the missing part of Building 4. They're right under Building 4. Oh, where it was sliced in half. Exactly. They're right above that parking garage. So this was a little bit damaged at the end. They're still walking upright. Yeah. But uh, the parking garage was below them, and it didn't go that, that far down. That, that is extraordinary. Okay, let's go to 106. The parking garage. 
that's the, the loading docks right below where the mall was. That's so when they unload the, the goods, they know where they are. And this is under which building? Uh, buildings 5 and 4. 5 and 4. The purple is under 5 and the green is under 4. And the green at the end of the hall is under the, about the middle of, um, underneath the missing part of building 4. Okay. That main body. Okay, let's go above ground now and go to uh, 107. We're looking west through the complex, and there's stairwell B, that little stub left, you can see right, a little bit to the right of the center of the picture. Is this where that Jerry Jonas was? Yes. He was in that stairwell. There's 14 of them that survived there. And there was a 110-story building, at least 106 floors of which were above their head. Yes. And they were calling out on their handy talkies to their buddies, you know, to come rescue them. And we're in stairwell B. Tower one, where are you? Tower one, stairwell B, where are you? Stairwell B, tower one. They said, where's tower one? <laughs> yeah. If you looked at that, would you see a building? Uh, can we see that again? Can we just hop back to that 107 again, please? I mean, that just is, well, it's disappeared, hasn't it? Yeah, well, where's, where's the building? Stairwell B, something, you know, survived, but. You see the north wall, the north corner facade and there's only about eight stories of corner facade that were there everything else gone down to ground level okay we're gonna we're gonna run we're gonna have the last the last picture and then we're gonna talk some more about this this is 108 um this is another view of building six isn't it with the hole in it yes a closer view and in the foreground you see that dome from the world financial center building two this is not the World Trade Center, this is the World, World Financial, Financial Center. Center. It's right across the street. Yeah. Do you notice uh, how clean that top is? No damage? It's right across the street? It hasn't been hit by anything, has it? No. And what's that void across the street from it, uh, where Tower 1 was, you can see the north uh, wall is about eight stories left because Building 6 was eight stories. Where are the other 102 stories? Well, yeah, that's a very good question. So, but Judy, you've looked at the evidence for how many years have you been doing this? So nearly ten. ten years? Ten years you've been looking at this evidence and you've, you've pinned it down and you've pinned it down and... Where'd it go? Dust. Gone with the wind. It's blown away, most of it. So, but this isn't Kansas, Tonto, is it? <laughs> No, it's uh Actually that was the wrong film, wasn't it? I do right. But uh, I just looked at the evidence. I believe in looking at the evidence because the evidence will, will tell you what happened, exactly what happened. Just looking at the evidence. Just looking at not the evidence. Not making any assumptions, not saying it was this, it right. was that. And as soon as you start making assumptions, you're fixing to mess up. But it does it does seem to me, and I've studied this myself as you know, from the outside if you like, for very many years and there are a lot of people out there who've made, uh, well, they have an opinion about what happened on that day. Uh, and they say that the buildings were not destroyed in the way, according to the official report, the 9-11 Commission report, uh, but they were destroyed by other methods like thermite or thermate or nanothermite or superthermite or uh, mini-nuclear weapons or other methods do you reject all of those i begin by looking at the evidence and you rule out the impossible and what remains 
has got to be among what is possible. And one of the things, uh, the biggest things I discovered in looking at this evidence, the three main things, the buildings didn't burn up or slam to the ground, but turned into dust in midair. And I know that because if they slammed to the ground, you'd see a pile of debris there. Didn't happen. There was a lot of debris all over Manhattan, though, wasn't there? But not that, not uh, two buildings worth of each 500,000 tons plus a 230,000-ton building across the street. Building seven. Right. A lot of mass is missing. Uh, but, yeah, but because those two towers were built, if I can sort of praise you the way that they were built, because I have looked at this, and they had something like 47 columns in the middle mm -hmm. of each tower, sort of slightly offset, but more or less in the center mm -hmm. of each tower. And then they had uh, steel beams connecting to... Um, what you call wheat checks on the outside, but we would call like shreddies because wheat checks is a breakfast cereal, <laughs> right? And uh, so like a kind of uh, cross-section of steel clad with aluminium with the windows set in, and that actually had a structural purpose as well. Oh, very much. They, they were a tube within a tube type design. There was an outer structure. So the outer structure was a tube. Well, no, well, yeah, around the whole building, kind around of like a building. tube. And then the inner columns were like another. And they were much more solid, weren't they? The inner columns were massively thick steel. I've looked at uh, biomimicry, you know, mimicking nature. Well, like with, a tree or something. Right, with engineering designs for, for strength, mm -hmm. because trees are very strong. Mm -hmm. And that is biologically inspired. The design is like a tree, a tree can bend a lot, and it has this tube within a tube structure. Just one, not just one tube, but the tube within a tube. So the building was built with the outer. It was 59 on each side of the four, and then with these 47 inner columns, and the fours were connected between the inner and outer columns, and they're meant to move with the breeze. Yeah, and they did, didn't they? Yeah. They, 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 it was known that they did in a strong mm -hmm. wind. Yeah. I was actually in New York in 1985 in a hurricane, Hur Hurricane Gloria. Wow. And they closed downtown, and uh, the World Trade Center area was closed, the Wall Street area was closed. And it was really scary. Bits were falling off buildings in Times Square. I was in Times Square, and it was quite a scary experience, actually. But look it up. It's online. Hurricane Gloria, 1985, 24 years ago. So, uh, yeah, but um, they made a big deal of it. We'll get to that later, because there was a hurricane, wasn't there, on that day, and they didn't make a big deal of it, which is very interesting. So, the buildings disappeared. Um, also, if they'd slammed to the ground, they would have destroyed the bathtub. Yes. The bathtub is sort of like a dike built around the base of them because the towers are built on bedrock 70 feet below the water table. Yeah. They're built in the Hudson River with this dike around them. And there are subways that came from New Jersey under the river that connected there as well as connecting with... This is with, the underground railway. Yes, the path trains. Yeah. And there were subways all around Manhattan that intersected there. Again, this is railways. Subways is railways yep. in New York. Oh, okay. I didn't realize you didn't have the same terms. And if two 500,000-ton buildings had crashed down on that bathtub, it certainly would have ruptured the bathtub. 
would have flooded the bathtub, flooded lower Manhattan. And flooded the railway lines? Yes. That didn't happen. Okay, and that didn't happen either. So, and also there's seismic evidence as well, isn't it, that there was no big right. flood? If they crashed to the ground, the seismic signal would have reflected that, and it didn't. Matter of fact, the ground only shook for eight seconds when the North Tower went away. It takes nine and a half seconds to throw a bowling ball off the roof and have it hit the pavement. So there was eight seconds of vibration. Yes. But even then it wasn't sufficient to have caused any damage to the structure. And you can see in those other images we showed of those underground parking and all those were just in the mall. Below the ground seemed to, for the most part, uh, remain undamaged. It's, you know, small amounts of damage here and there, but not nothing like what you would get if you dropped a million tons of building crashing down So, on. collectively, yeah. it was a million tons, wasn't it? Uh, for the two buildings. The two towers? Yeah. While leaving out buildings. Right, building, th building three and four and six and, and seven. seven. So, just the two towers, the 110-story towers. About 500,000 tons each. I mean, that is a huge... And, of course, they fell at not quite free-fall speeds, didn't they? Uh, they didn't fall. No. <laughs> So I, I keep keep no, picking no, no, you keep picking me up on this. Okay. But uh, the ground only shook for eight seconds. That's uh, getting rid of the building faster than it would freefall. There was some falling though, wasn't there? In the, in that square, the section of the of the first tower that fell tips. But then it turned to dust. It didn't fall to the ground. <laughs> but okay. But what I'm saying is, from the first moment of movement of each building before it disappeared was almost but not quite the time it would have taken if, it, if everything that supported it was removed at the same time and it simply fell. Uh, if it had fallen, it would have taken longer. That's clear. If any, if, if it even is possible, if the it, it is theoretically possible that the Twin Towers could have fallen if every structural supporting mechanism had been removed as it fell by some process like for instance, I'm going to play devil's advocate. Yeah. If you removed all of the, the supports... If somebody put some nanothermite on it, you know, and that all went off... Because that is what people are saying, isn't it? People well, okay. your version of events. If people uh, use nanothermite or whatever they use to cut the columns, you still have 500,000 tons of debris that would slam to the ground. All you're doing is cutting it down, and it would slam to the ground. So you, uh, you don't think that's... Uh... And it can't cut it like that. It takes a lot, it, thermite works through heat transfer, and it takes...
takes a certain amount of time for heat to transfer through large thick pieces of steel. It doesn't happen instantly. We're, we are all familiar with
I'm going to read one more. Uh, well, then we're going to go back with some, some more images and so on. This is uh, a chap in Tyneside. He says, I'm a radio ham in Tyneside. He gives out his call sign, but I won't read it out. Uh, were there any major comms disruption? Was there any major comms disruption on 9-11 that could be caused by a huge energy EMP? What is that? Electromechanical? Electromagnetic pulse. Was it? Not that I know of directly, and there is, I've seen no evidence of it. I've looked at physical evidence. I've tried to stay away from the uh, hearsay type evidence because, let's face it, 9-11 was a psychological operation. And in a psychological operation, no matter how honest people are, they have been led to conclude different things than what happened. But if you physically look at things with logic, and with what you know and figure out what you you know that you know and separate that from what you know that you don't know and try not to confuse the two because you tend to bias your observations that way. Okay, alright, I think we need to go to another film. Uh, we've got one called Dustification, so if we, can, if we can run that second film, please. Or Dustified. Here we go. This is several clips. Of the, of, well, is that say the collapsing? You can see that piece falling in front of that corner that dissolves. Okay. It is an extraordinary film. And this is a spike here that just disappears in the middle here. There's a spike of the central column. That may indeed be right above stairwell B. And that just seems to, there it goes, it just seems to Faint. turn into... Faint and into dust. dust. And here's, here's more images. I mean, the speed is unbelievable, isn't it? The speed of this activity, whatever it is. Dustification. This <laughs> dustification. A new phenomenon needs a new word to describe it. And I don't think we've ever seen a building do this before. Well, no steel frame buildings apart from those three on 9 11. However, Three? I think there were seven. <laughs> seven oh, okay, seven well, were destroyed that day. Of course, that's true. We normally talk about the Twin Towers and Building Seven, right. the tallest ones. But as you say, there were there were several others. And, and an enormous dust cloud. There's a sort of pyroclastic flow, isn't there? They're like a but it wasn't volcano. high. It wasn't high. It wasn't high, was it? Or, you know, or was it? I mean, we can look at the evidence. We can look at the evidence. We've got some more photographs. This is, I think this but is honestly, problem. ask yourself, when you look at that, does that look like a collapse? And what's trailing behind those pieces of steel? You see how that peels well, like a banana? Again. Look at that but spire. did you see how it peels like a banana around it? Oh, yeah, that's true. But look, at, look at the spire. This is fascinating, this spire in the middle here, as it just seems to turn into... dust. Uh, it's taking its time. It's yeah, it drops down a little bit, kind of just faints. Now that's it, it's gone. That, that is, that's one of the most compelling things that I've seen, actually. Uh, I think we need to look at some photographs of, let's, let's look at image 113, if we can, please. Okay, this is 113. What is this telling us? This is a still image where you see these wheat checks, the prefab outer units. Uh -huh. uh, they're three stories wide, three... Um, they three stories tall, three columns wide, prefab units that the buildings were built out of, mm -hmm. the outer columns. And you see There's groups of those. There's one on the left, isn't there? The extreme left there. There's, 
one of those, these very outer steel sections that are yeah. performing a structural function. Right. Which is one of the reasons the windows were so small in the World Trade Center. There, there are the distance between those columns. Yeah, because that was one of the reasons it was hard to let, because the windows were so small. People felt a bit constricted, apparently. But, but these, this is steel falling. There, you can see some aluminum cladding, which coated the steels, or covered the steels floating around. But the, the basic thing you see falling is uh, the steel. But what's trailing behind it? Is that from a dirty windowsill, all that dust? Yeah, where does it come from? It, look, the steel dissolving into dust. Yeah. Okay, let's look at 115 now, please. This is lots of different images of the same event. Of those that spire is referred to. Yeah. And you can see how the tower peels away, kind of like a banana peeling away from that, those uh, small group of columns that's referred to as the spire. Notice the spire extends above Building 7. Yeah. Building 7 is about, you know, 650 feet tall, I think. But this, the spire is about 700 feet tall. This is this, is this massively solid 47 central right. steel columns. But just a group of them that just stay freestanding for a bit there. Well, they would, wouldn't they? I mean, they, they don't would. have anything loading on them. Even if the official version, the pancaking, were to happen, it wouldn't yeah. take down the central column. Right. They would still be standing there, surely. I mean, you're, you know, you're a, a structural engineer. You would be able to tell it, me that. You're, you're taking the load off of them, so they now have no reason to come down. Yeah. They don't have load down, on. are they? They're not going to. Well, if they blew down, they'd take out several blocks worth of buildings. Cause they'd... Hundreds of thousands of tons. Tens of well, tons. you have uh, 700 feet of this beam pole going down. It's going to... Do some damage to adjacent buildings. Okay, let's uh, let's look at 116 then. This is another image of this spire. Um, and the sequence at the bottom. This is to, what you need to pay attention to very very carefully. That first image. Notice how there's blue sky in the background. There's crisp edges of the of those columns. Yeah. The tower had just peeled away from it and exposed these columns. And then, pretty soon you notice, like in the middle picture, it's no longer a crisp edge. And then it turns to dust. And some folks say that that's dust that settled on it. And it's just blowing off. And, right, and it's so fine that it hangs in the air. If it's that fine and hangs in the air, how come you didn't see it hanging in the air in that first image? Well, it was sharp, you mean. Right. When the, the building peeled away from so it, left it was So this is your scientific analysis. If it was fine dust hanging in the air, first of all, how's it going to settle on a vertical column? Okay. All right, yeah. let's, let's talk about this dust, whether it was hot then. And, and before we do, let's look at this picture, 117, if you can. Right, this is, these are the people covered in this dust. The dust cloud rolled out, rolled over people, didn't burn them, just left them covered with dust. Okay. Somebody here has asked, um, I haven't got a name here. What happened to the huge antenna on top of the North Tower? I believe it, for the most part, landed on the ground, surprisingly. So the antenna? The parts of the antenna. Survived? Yeah. That's interesting, isn't it? So things that were thrown out a long way seem to survive. Things that were kind of outside of the structure of the main building, like the antenna on the roof of the North Tower, seem to survive. Things that were outside the structure of the main building under the ground generally seemed to survive. So it was kind of pretty much confined to 
the two twin towers themselves and the other buildings to some extent? Uh, not necessarily. There's some other patterns that emerge from this. Uh, up to half a mile away, there were toasted cars. I refer to them as toasting cars, as in their toast. They're we're going to get to the cars. We're going to get to the cars. So that, was, that wasn't confined to just that area. It was... Uh, okay, let's, 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 look at the, let's look at the bathtub then, because underneath, as we described in the first part, the bathtub is underneath the buildings, um, and this protects that site from the Hudson River. Right, because the towers are built... The yeah, the towers are built in the Hudson River, and this was a sort of a dike. So if we can look at 113, here we go, this is 113. And this is after uh, the um, the cleanup. I don't mean 113, do I? I mean... Uh, 109. 109, I beg your pardon, 109. Um, and this, this shows the bathtub, which is pretty much perfect. Right, there was some damage to it here and there from the earth moving equipment that was cleaned up, but it was not a catastrophic uh, failure. Okay, so that, that, that kind of shows what was there after the towers were cleaned away, what was left of the towers. And uh, let's look at 110, can we? This is a photograph from inside the, the bathtub. And again, showing it to be pretty much perfect. And they're, yeah. they're rebuilding on that side, aren't they? They have already yeah. rebuilt Building 7. I Building 7 was just outside. Well, you're right, it was across the street. But this is uh, where the footprint of Tower 1 was. You can sort of see the shiny um, ground in the foreground. That's the bedrock okay. of Tower 1. Okay, let's, uh, let's have one more image then of the, um, of the dust and so on. And the, and the, uh, let's look at number 111. Why wasn't there a large seismic impact? Because it's all over the street. <laughs> I guess as powder and lots and lots of paper again. Okay. So um, it, it, the evidence does seem to be mounting that those buildings did just turn to dust and then effectively blow away. What about evidence of them taking the steel to China? And uh, you saw the ground within a day or so of 9-11. Of so well, there what, were pieces steel? of steel. Oh, no, there are pieces of steel. But, but uh, two 500,000-ton buildings worth? There's 100,000 tons of steel in each of the towers. You didn't see that on the ground. Did they take it away before noon on 9-11? It was gone pretty quickly. Okay, it was well. gone by the time the dust cloud cleared, enough so you could see the ground. And I've not seen any receipts of uh, steel going to China. It's just well, a story. Well, they might decide not to show you. I mean, you know, yeah. But how do you know they went to China? Well, that, that's, that's the story we've been told. Right, it? right. So, okay, so you, you believe that um, the whole, all the buildings turned to dust, something was... Not turned, all of them turned to dust, but a well, significant portion of them turned to dust. The vast majority of them yes, turned yeah. to dust. Well, okay, so if it wasn't... Thermite, thermite, nanothermite, superthermite, small nuclear weapons, um, I don't know, lots of gnomes with pickaxes. <laughs> what was it, Judy? It's something that can turn uh, material to dust. There's a whole lot of different aspects of this, and I, I don't know exactly what they used, but I, can, I know someone who can replicate all of the effects.
of that. Mm -hmm. Several people actually can replicate all the, those effects. And actually, there was a patent on this technology 100 years ago yesterday. Yeah, you showed me the picture in your book, and you, you were speaking publicly, weren't you? Yesterday? Yes. And you yes. showed the picture, and you said this was exactly what I, and this is a patent on a device that could levitate steel. And Radiant energy. <coughs> Radiant energy. The question that I must ask is, if there is such a device that can disintegrate buildings, and it was in use on 9-11, 10 years ago, why isn't it being used today in, say, Libya, or in Iran, or in Afghanistan, or in other, you know, Yemen, countries like that, if the powers that be have that weapon, well, why don't we see it being used all the time? What, then we could go, ah, look, there it is. What's the objective? You, you first need to figure out what the objective is before you know why it would or wouldn't be used. You, you're assuming an objective. Well, it, it, it seems to me that it's something that's been weaponized. Right. And, that, you know, the, the, the mind of man is such that you give him a... Uh, an apple, and he'll probably wonder how hard he can throw it at somebody. You know, <laughs> and so it, it, you couldn't you couldn't uh, get, get it out of the hands of the military if you had right. if you had a toy like this. But let's see, it tends, depends on what your objective is. If your objective is to wreak havoc, uh, you know, this is too clean. You might you know might not want to use it if you want to, if that is what your objective is. It depends on the objective. Well, it kills people as well, obviously, because. The right. people who were in those towers disintegrated also, didn't they? The, par the parts that they found of them. I've seen one image of one of the biggest parts they found, which isn't very nice. It was just a hand. And that was about it. There wasn't much to be found. So, you know, if it, was, if it is a weapon, it can be used for... Okay, you're, you're asking for a lot of speculation. Yeah, but if you I want to, you like to stick to the, the facts. But, but if you want to speculate, and if you wanted to destroy Manhattan, yeah. I don't think you would use this, would you? you? You could just, if you tipped over the building, you'd take out all of Manhattan. Those big, were big buildings. This was a very careful removal of the buildings. No, Minimum I, I destruction. Appreciate, I appreciate there are lots of advantages to making them right. disappear rather than knocking them over, right. or even having them collapse into the bathtub and fracture and let the Hudson right. River in. I appreciate that. What I'm saying to you is, if if this device, whatever it is, and I know you have a name for it, directed energy weapon. It's under a general category. It's energy that's directed and uses a weapon. Okay. So, if some military somewhere had to develop and had access to weapon a weapon that could do what you claim was done on 9-11 why haven't we seen it in use elsewhere you'll have to ask them but perhaps they it's a different objective they have Did it, it, are there buildings they want to justify well, you know, have, we seen, is, have we seen anything like it anywhere is there, per, per, are there hints of things perhaps perhaps but it helps to really study the evidence first to be able to identify it. I know what the process is. So I have a, a name for the process. It's, you know, the general category is energy that's directed and used as a weapon. Now, Tesla had this.
Then America what then? Edison, didn't he? Thomas Edison. Right, he, he immigrated to here. And he's... Oh, oh, right, right. I, I've forgotten here. I forgot about that. But uh, he's responsible for having um, outlets we can plug things into. Yeah. All the current. current is his. That's right. And a whole lot of things. He's pretty much responsible for modern life style. And a lot of his patents are, uh, are under lock and key for national security reasons. Uh-huh. He wanted to give free energy to the world, but was afraid it would be used for evil purposes. It was around 100 years ago. Yeah. So, okay, so you're not only claiming then that these directed energy weapons were developed by whoever, we don't know, and used by whoever, we don't know, for whatever purpose, and lots of people have asked the question, Kibono, you know, who benefited from the falling of the towers? You first have to establish what happened. Okay, well, let's, I understand that. But, you're, but what you're suggesting now is not only were these weapons developed and used, but that they use free energy? Am I correct? No. They, this is uh, evidence of free energy technology. And what I mean by free energy is non-conventional. Energy that is not metered, has not been metered. So, okay, but just because it's not metered, you can, you know, you can cheat the, the, the socket. Well, it's not, it's not, it's not conventional energy. either. It's not conventional. It's what is zero-point energy or... I don't give it that name. motion energy or... Actually, if I were to give it a name, I, my, the name I would give it is magnetic electrogravitic nuclear reactions. Which kind of covers everything, doesn't it? <laughs> what, what doesn't it cover? Yeah, electro nuclear reactions... Uh, describes low-energy uh, low nuclear reactions, which the slang term for it is cold fusion. Oh, this is, this is the, the ponds and fish and flesh right. Burn, isn't it? Right. The cold fusion thing that was discredited, in fact discredited, I think, partly by one of the main proponents of the nanothermite. Mm-hmm. See a trend here? <laughs> and you know who coined the term cold fusion to discredit it? Steve Jones? Yes. Oh, well. Okay, so um, you're saying that uh, not only are you saying that these these weapons exist, they've been developed, they're using zero-point energy or some kind of free energy source, uh, but you're also saying now, if I'm correct, and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm trying to work through this logically, that... Uh, if, if you have many, trouble... Hold on, let me get to the point. Okay. Many, many proponents of, if you like, the truth movement are dissembling deliberately to avoid revealing this big mm. set of secrets. It doesn't take uh, many people. Uh, folks within an organization tend to follow the leader of the organization. And there's undoubtedly a lot of well-meaning people following that. I, I'm sure you're right. I'm sure, you know, a lot of people in the truth movement who, who accept the theories of nanothermite, mm -hmm. if you like, are well-meaning, good people who look at the obvious fallacies in the official version of events. If you think about it, the official story was a psychological operation. Um, it was very well planned. Do you think they just forgot to plan a cover-up? So this is their limited hangout, is it? The, the, the limited hangout is 
okay, it wasn't the planes. The planes didn't do it, and nothing hit Building 7. There are going to be people come along who realize that, so you need someplace else for them to go. So, so, the, the, so the limited hangout is, um, is that it, um, is that, you know, okay, if you only said version 1, we'll give you version 2. Yeah. Because we want to protect. And if you don't like version 2, we'll give you version 1. If you have a false choice. Is there a version 3? Is, is there a limited hangout? Well, there's a, there seems to be some backups for that. But if you, instead of following some sort of, of um, scenario that someone else is giving you, what I prefer to do and what the aim of my book has been is to empower the reader to understand for themselves instead of having to follow anybody. This is just evidence. If you look at the evidence, the evidence will tell you exactly what happened. The buildings turned to dust. So, the, if, if, I mean, that's the safest place to be, isn't it? Just looking at the evidence. Mm -hmm. Not, I mean, you've made some certain conclusions, and I know, and that's kind of, it puts you in a vulnerable position. It means you can easily be attacked by those who have a mind to do that. But they, no one has refuted what is in my book. And it's a massive, massive, massive book of... And none of it has been refuted. Not a single thing. Not, not one, a single no thing. No one said, ah, oh, well, this is wrong. Correct. You hadn't had to make any revision by saying, nah, I was a little bit wrong no. there. Because I've only talked about what is there, what is actually there, the evidence. People have... Oh, we've got to go to another break now. All right. Uh, yeah, come back after the break or text your answers to, your questions to 86686 with the word beyond, and we'll see you after the break. Welcome back to One Step Beyond with me, Theo Chalmers, and my special guest, Dr. Judy Wood. Judy, I've got to read out this text here. Um, this is from Mike in Manchester. He says... Uh, I think your guest is as daft as a box of frogs. Excellent example. Excellent example. Note, no, they did not refute my book. And no, so it's just an ad hominem attack. Right. They don't address the evidence. They don't address what I present. Okay. Um, are you saying that then the concrete doesn't turn to dust when it falls upon each floor when collapsing? That's Phil. That... The steel beams going down with dust trailing behind it, that's not falling onto another floor. And we're just seeing that earthquake, you know, great right. amounts of concrete are No dust in the air. Well, very little dust in the air. And also, they're still there, the concrete blocks, aren't they? They're still concrete. They're stacked up, you get the pancakes. <laughs> yeah. Um, because they're sitting in so many texts, it's quite, they keep moving, it's really hard to read them. Um, this is Carl in the World says, uh, have you had any comments from the people who compiled the NIST report? They responded in any way? Well, I did submit a request for correction to NIST in 2007. Let's talk about your key term. Key term is Q-U-I-T-A-M. It's your legal action. This is a call for correction, isn't it? Two separate things. I submitted a request for correction to NIST saying that... This is the National Institute of Standards and Technology? Yes, and they were uh, mandated by Congress with our taxpayer money to determine why and how the towers collapsed. Collapsed? Yeah, that's, and that was the name of the report. Yet NIST admitted to me they did not analyze the collapse. They admitted that in writing? In writing to me. Yes. So they're admitting their report was fraudulent. The contractors for the NIST report... Well, they're not admitting that their report is fraudulent. They're admitting that 
They didn't do the job they were paid to do. That's, That's slightly, right. Slightly different. And accepting payment for that is fraud. Okay. Yeah, you yeah. there. Now, we can't sue the government, a government agency, but we can sue the contractors who committed science fraud. But NIST is a government agency, isn't right. it? Right, but the contractors they hired to help them with the report. Yes. Interestingly enough, they hired folks who are uh, experts in developing energy weapons. Okay. So they knew not what, to do, what not to say, perhaps. Right. And to look over it. Oh, just for clerical uh, use, right, just to sharpen our pencils. No, they, uh, they knew what they were looking at. Okay. So... Um, is this this action you took then was against the contractors, or was it wasn't it a demand for correction? Wasn't this well, first, time? Is that a separate thing? The, this was the beauty of what my lawyer had figured out: that in order to file a KTAM case, it's a whistleblower case. You need to do an act of whistleblowing. My request for correction to NIST was my act of whistleblowing. I was notifying a government agency that their contractors had committed science fraud, and I listed the things that they had done fraudulently. This is the one where the judge said to you, have, a, have you a death wish? That, that was, um, I used to talk so much about it, but people in the courtroom would have heard that. That was at the Court of Appeals level. But having uh, been a whistleblower, then qualified me to file a whistleblower case. So that's basically what the request for correction was, was establishing, you know, your contractors did this, this, and this. For example, Underwriters Lab made a mock-up of the floor, two full-scale mock-ups and two half-scale mock-ups. They cooked them. Physical mock-ups of concrete yes. and steel. Yeah, of the floor. And they uh, set them on fire, cooked them for twice as long at twice the temperature, and none of them failed to support load. So the idea that they collapsed... They couldn't okay. reproduce that. They couldn't reproduce that. Yet they signed off a report saying the fire did it. That's fraud. There's, you go down the long list of things like that. So then I filed the, the KETAM case, and the lower court uh, dismissed it because one of the things he, he listed was he wasn't going to hear a case about who shot JFK or what landed on the moon. That's what he said. Yeah. This, on the decision. But this wasn't a case about that. No, it wasn't, was it? it was, that could be another case, of course. Right. And we appealed it to the higher court, to the Court of Appeals, and they saw us in court for eight minutes. Um, that written decision stated, they were very respectful, they stated in there, uh, they, they acknowledged that the law applied to this case, but for the ease of writing their dismissal, they, they were ignoring that law. So... They ignored the law that made them consider your case. Right. And cannot appeal against that? We appealed to the Supreme Court, but they don't have to hear the case, just if they feel like it. They don't even need to say why they're going to just deny hearing the case. So, effectively, you can't appeal to the Supreme Court. I take right, it that they not truly. I take yeah. it that they didn't hear your right, case. Right, right. So, the Supreme Court refused to hear your case, but they didn't tell you why they refused to Right. So, although you brought a case, it can never have a resolution. Right. Okay. But here's the interesting thing that, you know, finally dawned on me after that written decision where the judges were acknowledging they were ignoring the law. Think about that. Think about, can you hear this case in a courtroom? But I, I see that all the time in America, I'm sorry to say. I mean, I see, you know, I see extrajudicial killings of American citizens by predator drones that 
that Americans seem to completely ignore. But this so the rule of law, I mean, it seems to be... Uh, it's not just that. You know, choose it, you know, it's a, it's a choose to use it or choose to not use it. Be so, but what I saw in this was, think of the enormity of this case. Would you want to be the judge hearing that case? Would you well, worry about being justified on the way to work? Well, this is clearly why they didn't want to hear it. I can understand why yeah. they would say, we're not hearing it. I can understand that. It Especially if they don't have to say. Also, it, it exposes classified technology. Somebody's classified technology. It doesn't matter whose. You're not going to hear that in a civil case unless it's behind closed doors. And if you put it behind closed doors, you're acknowledging that. The cat's out of the bag. The only way to keep the cat in the bag is to not hear the case. Okay. All right, I think we need to look at some of the other effects of okay. this technology then that you've, that you've identified. Let's go... Um, toasted cars? Let's go to toasted cars. Let's go to image 114, if we can, please. 114. Um, this is... Uh, I can't find it on my list here. Yeah, this is a map of the areas of, of New York uh, where the toasted cars were found. As, as you can see, they seem to be a hell of a long way from the, um, from the towers. And those lines around the towers are where the debris fields were. Is that correct? Yeah, within those, those uh, zones around the towers where I saw solid material. Okay, we're solid material. So these cars that had these extraordinary effects that seem to defy the laws of physics were in areas where they didn't have the buildings falling on them. Okay, let's, let's, let's look at 118. This is, this is a toasted car. 119? Go to that. Okay. Let's go home in the right order, right? Okay, I was thinking 119 is the map that shows where the cars... I know, but I, okay. I just want to do them in the right order. I don't okay. Think we can get confused here. Um, so this is a toasted car. This is on... Um, this is some distance... That's sitting over an FDR drive. FDR drive. Um, this is on the East River. Right. We don't know if it was toasted there or if it was uh, carted there. You know, to be to be precise, we didn't witness that, but we do have cars that were witnessed as going into spontaneous combustion. Okay. Well, let's look at 119 then. This is a map of Lower Manhattan, the, the, with the uh, the side of the World Trade Center is on the left. And the toasted cars, there's a big car park full of them, way up on the, on the top left. And there were lots of them under a flyover. Yeah, an on the East pass, River. As you call it, on the East River. Way over on the East River, blocks away. Uh, there was a uh, fellow, uh, Alan Cook, who was standing down there, and suddenly the cars went into spontaneous combustion. Right before him, he was over by the South Street Seaport. And trying to figure out how to explain it, it must blow people's minds. He rationalized that it must have been a fireball that got loose from the World Trade Center, rolled down the street and hit the car. Because why else would the car go into spontaneous combustion? Yeah, it does seem, it does seem somewhat unlikely, doesn't it? So, uh, okay, let's go to the next one. This is 120. And this that, is another map of... And that uh, long zone at the top in the middle, that's West Broadway. And about every car, for about four blocks, was toasted. The paper wasn't burned. The buildings weren't burned. The trees weren't burned. Trees there were cars burned. underneath green Bush, trees. Bushy green trees. Bushy, and they weren't singed or... Right. 
And they were like weirdly burned, weren't they, some of these cars? Some of them, the engines were missing. And... Exactly. Okay, let's go 121. Let's look at some of the, uh, of what happened. The toasted bus. The toasted bus. And this, it looks like some of it's melted. I mean, the metal has melted. What's interesting is you see in the distance, Building 7 is still standing. So you know about what time it is. Building 7 fell at about 5.20 in the right. afternoon of 9-11. Well, it's finally, but it's finally Sorry, demise. Sorry, <laughs> Evaporated and... Or went away. Okay. But notice the car in the very right, on the edge of the picture. Yeah. It's rusted. Yeah, it's rusty, isn't it? Yeah. Steel, doesn't, especially car steel, doesn't rust instantly. Well... Unless something happens to it. It's very unlikely, isn't it? Even if it got soaking wet in salt water, in a few hours, it would not go... Well, it still has some areas of its paint showing, its undercoat, but it's it's pretty amazing how quickly these vehicles rusted. Let's look at 122. This is lots more um, toasted cars. The photo in the upper right corner, notice the door handle's missing. That was just a pattern I noticed. And also, you see the vehicles on the far side of the street with the trunk lid popped open. The car in the middle has the sliding door open car on the right, something's weird about its engine underneath, the front end. But it seemed to be that the door latches and trunk latches, you call them boots. Boots, we do call yeah, them boots, yes. Popped. And the um, car right below that in the bottom right corner, its engine is missing. The engine is missing, so how did that car get there? This is, you know, this is, and there were several cars, weren't there? Lots the of The engine's just gone. But, of course, engines are made of iron, right. largely. Some of them are made of aluminium. I know before you all texted, I know some are, but many are made of iron. Yeah, in particularly in America, where they don't like aluminium engines <laughs> for some reason. In the bottom left corner, you see a you know, missing engine, but the car in the, in the picture of the bottom left, but the car in the right side of it, notice the abrupt change between the front end and the door. And that's where that arrow is pointing to that right. abrupt change. So it looks like you know, one half, as I know in your book you say, one half is like wax on, wax off. Yeah. And the other half is just ter terminal wreck. But it gets you thinking about the rubber gasket they put around doors. Yeah. As though that's uh, an insulator. So this is the electrical part of your nuclear electrical magnetic... I'm just noticing the, the, this uh, you know, trend that you have this abrupt change on the doors. In that top left picture, can we just go back to that picture again, one, two, two. In that, in that top left picture, what, what is that? Uh, I think it used to be a, a mail truck. <laughs> I mean, a building didn't fall on it, did it? And if it did, it was just dust and paper. Parallelogram kind of thing. Uh, it, it's extraordinary, isn't it? It is extraordinary. And the, the, the police car that's parked right next to it, you see just the back end's toasted, not the door again. The front is fine. Yeah. So it appears. And let's let's look at the the final picture of toasted cars. We have got there's plenty more in Judy's book, but let's not go crazy here. Let's look at one, two, three. Now this one, unburned paper, unburned paper all over the place. There's green trees there, and the the, the second car back on the right clearly doesn't have an engine. Another car parked in the street. How did we get there? Without an engine, did someone just on that day? Did lots of people decide to go out and take a car out with them with no engine? There is a tremendous number of them, including in the parking lot. But there's another trend to that. Notice the traffic light's still there. 
Yes, it is. It's, it's potted in the ground. Same with the signposts and the buildings. So you're saying it's earthed? Yeah. Whereas the cars are on rubber tires. Yeah. Ah. And things that are not uh, grounded can build up a charge more. You know, this is what I like about your book, I've got to say, Judy, because you're looking at evidence and you're just saying, how can this be explained by two planes flying into tall buildings? These cars are, in some cases, miles away from the, from the buildings that were hit by planes. What on earth happened? I'd like to, if we could go to 119, there's something else I'd like to back point to out there. Back to 119, okay, let's go back to 119. There is an yeah. EMT driving across the Manhattan Bridge on this the far it. right. The Manhattan Bridge is the bridge on the right. Three quarters of miles away, she said, you could feel the heat from the bridge. Okay, this is an eyewitness. Yes. Saying you can feel the heat from the bridge. Yeah, first responder. That was the bridge, sorry, the heat from the World Trade Center. Yeah. There's unburned paper up for the three quarters of a mile in between. She was feeling something, but it couldn't be conventional heat. Could it be like microwave radiation? Because that can heat you up. Yeah, it could be some, some kind of energy field that was perceived as heat. And because she's high up, she's raised up on that bridge, isn't she? And notice, there are lots of tall buildings. Notice the toasted cars. On FDR Drive? Yeah, right in front of her along that same line of sight. Well, Franklin Delano Roosevelt Drive. Okay. I believe it is. Yes, yes. <laughs> Okay, so lots of weird stuff happened on that mm -hmm. day that you have spent 10 years fire cannot, looking for an explanation. Fire cannot cut as about the collapse, but it... steel frame building, but also Sorry, it is loading. Technical difficulties. The collapse, but the steel frame building, but also, uh, if the building collapses. going on and didn't have this problem previously it just hit a snag and won't load deeply apologize 
rebooting the internet right now, get a new connection. Of course, probably being electronically targeted and harassed, they probably just turned the internet off at source. So let's try to reconnect, reset the internet connection. This is an incredibly important and just really fun interview about the scientific and, and really, you know, practical inconsistencies and absurdities when it comes to the conventional explanation for the events of 9-11, as well as the rational and realistic ex uh, investigations into exotic high technology weapons being on display here in terms of logical deductions to what occurred. Hopefully this will correct itself. If not, note that this presentation was taken down by electronic harassment from the deep state. It doesn't look like it's going to fix itself, and it's already been about three to five minutes, and now it's been reset the internet connection. It doesn't look like the actual video source is helping me out. Now, this was interrupted by the deep state and their electronic harassment. Enemies of free speech. Without end, they are the enemies of free speech. Hopefully. Okay, so what it's doing? Although it's fighting for every second. We might have to call it just and the name of technical difficulties.
That has been Judy Wood, Dr. Judy Wood, on Where Did the Towers Go? interview by Nexus Television, Theo Chalmers. I hope you guys were educated and enjoyed that in remembrance of 9-11, the greatest inside job to ever be committed, the greatest conspiracy to ever portray itself in mainstream society and the greatest ritual psychological operation ever used against America and the world by the masters that hide in the shadows the Freemasons and the Talmudists the Babylonian Talmudists thank you all for listening I'm sorry it could not play till the end terribly terribly regret that Thank you, each and every one of you. Never forget. God bless you and your families. Peace out.